Good Tuesday evening. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies Tuesday Night Flight. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG sitting in with the co-pilot of the mothership tonight. Number one, the Midnight Rider. Okay. Number two, firing photon phases at full blast is the boss BJ. And also he keeps the lights on too. Make it so. <laughs> I kind of thought he would like that Star Trek fan there, fellas. Wild card, super wild card weekend. Let me let me not diminish it. Super wild card weekend is over. Um, of course we know about Jags and Chiefs. We talked about that on Sat on Sunday morning. I'm sorry, not Jags and Chiefs. Um, uh, Seahawks 49ers and Jags Chargers. We talked about that Sunday morning. Then we get into the Sunday afternoon game. The first game that was up, the Boss BJ's Buffalo Bills versus the Miami Dolphins. In my opinion, I thought this was a classic AFC uh, AFC playoff matchup because of how t- how many times the Bills and Dolphins have met up in the playoffs. And I don't even I don't think in our lifetime, maybe once or twice, the Bills have lost to the Dolphins. At home in the playoffs, I think, but I, I would have to do check a uh, check on that. But the Bills pull it out by the skin of their collective teeth, thirty four thirty one. Um, <laughs> Buffalo was up fourteen nothing in the first. At halftime, it was twenty to seventeen. This was a nail biter down to the end. Um, I'm gonna throw this over to the boss BJ and shut my big trap. But this is your team. Tell me how you felt sitting on the edge of your seat for this game. Well, I had told y'all earlier that it was going to be blood pressure medication. Um, And, you know, you can't play a team three times, a divisional opponent, and not have that, that, that familiarity and know what this team's going to do. The, the Dolphins are geared to beat the Bills. The only thing they were missing was Tua. And Rohan, if they had most of it, probably would have been a different game also. Um, I, I get big ups to Skylar Thompson. I, he came in there. It was a couple of big drops earlier in the game. And Buffalo side, too, and I think it was they were facing the sun. And it had a lot to do with it. Um, but he made some – man, he was, he was balling, man. He was balling. And, and if, if I'm a Dolphins um, – the GM and stuff, and you do have to part ways with Tua because of medical reasons. Like I like Skylar Thompson, man. I'm not. I'm not even going to sit here and lie. Me for for that to be your first, you know, start in a playoff game at that magnitude, and you know to come out and perform like that. That he kept them in the game. Um, the Buffalo Bills side. You know, I, I really feel like this, and I, you know, I know I'm biased. The only team that can beat the Buffalo Bills are the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills continue every game. They they don't shoot their foot off. They shoot the toes off individually first. They keep making mistakes after mistakes after miscues after miscues. We know that it's a couple teams in this league that can blink twice, and it's, it's 21 points on the board. Buffalo's one of those teams, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Um you know, these teams can score points in a hurry. And there was a couple times that, you know, Buffalo had 
um, had had a chance to kind of open the game up. Um, I forgot our receiver's name, but he Josh Allen went deep to him and he dropped the ball. Um, I forgot his name. Um, but you know it, it, they had their chances. But you know, give Miami props. You know they stayed in the game. They kept making plays. You know defensively, they kept getting to Josh Allen. Um, you know Josh Allen looked like to me at um at a, a point in the game like he was a little flustered, maybe a little indecisive. I thought some some plays where he could have ran, he didn't, and the plays where he wanted to run, it wasn't there. It was like he was his, his decision making was off a little bit. I don't think the elbows a problem anymore. I know he suffered that you know mid season and had a little trouble throwing. You can see the zip was gone. But I, this is the game I expected. I, I, I didn't expect the Bills to beat the Dolphins by 13 points at, at no point. At no point, I didn't expect the Dolphins. I, if that was to happen, it was going to be uh, the Bills blowing it open in the fourth quarter off a of Skylar Thompson interception, a mistake or something, and then going up, you know, 10, 13 points. But the game was what I thought it was, a little closer than what I wanted. But the, the Bills, I've been saying it all season. They have had to win a hundred different type of ways, and that benefits them now. That benefits them now. You're going to have teams that come in here and like the Chargers and get into situations that they haven't been um, in the season. And the Vikings, they got in a situation where they were down. They haven't been in that situation. All the games were close and nail biters. Now you're down and you got to fight back from this. And you haven't been in that situation. You don't have that experience. The Bills have won every way you could think of this season, you know. And you know, of course, the tragedy a couple of weeks ago. I don't want to say it's a tragedy because Demar Hamlin is still alive. Um, the game is what I thought it was. Um, they got to get ready for Cincinnati. That's going to be a whole nother challenge because, you know, we're not Baltimore. We don't have the same front seven. We can't get to the, the rusher. And I don't know if you guys noticed something Buffalo doesn't really do a lot. They started to do the second half, which was blitz. They start sending Matt Milano. They start sending Tremaine Edmonds to try to get to Skylar Thompson. Um, so they're going to have to – they're going to uh, – Leslie Frazier is a good defensive guy, great defensive mind. And I know they're going to, you know, try to figure out a game plan. I I, I love to see um, um, Elam. Our draft pick got the, uh, got an interception. He's been in a doghouse uh, for whatever reason this year, and he got a big pick. And you know, I hope that gives him some confidence, and I hope he can contribute because we're still back banged up in the in the secondary. And now you got Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T Higgins coming in town with uh, Ice Cold Joe. That's a whole nother issue. The only the only thing that you know that that that's coming up in that game that benefits the Bills is that offensive line and the Bengals is a little, little suspect at times. But uh, the Dolphin game, it, it, it was what I thought it was. Um, the first, one of the first things Sean McDermott said when they were in the locker room was like, we cannot win like this no more. This is, this is an anomaly right here. You cannot do this again in these playoffs. You got, what you got, three more games to go to win the Super Bowl? You can't do that again and win a game. You're not going to do what you did with the turnovers and the miscues against the Bengals and be in an AFC championship game. You're not going to get to the AFC championship game and play who, whomever. It doesn't matter who's there. 
whether it's the Jags or the Chiefs, you're not going to make those miscues and expect to win. They got to tighten up the ship, man. They have to tighten up the ship. They got to get back to some fundamentals. They just Josh is sloppy with the ball at times. Um, and I just I just want to see them tighten up and um, try to you know try to rectify some of that. You know you you hope they can. Um, before I pass it on, you know of course the man I've been looking for all year, big play Gabe Davis, came through in the playoffs once again. And I expect that I expect to see that for whatever reason he's missed the magic in the playoffs. And I hope it doesn't stop because they're gonna need him. They're gonna need him to open up digs. Um they threw two to Knox. Dawson Knox is going to I, I told I said this a couple of weeks ago. Dawson Knox is key to that offense. If they can get him in the offense and going where people have to worry about him, it's gonna open up a world of hurt for opposing defenses, man. Midnight Rod? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think this is the only way the Dolphins could have made this a ball game. You get the interception, you get the fumble recovery. <clears throat> they had the two drops early. I think that's the only reason we had a ball game is because Buffalo kept them in it. So it wasn't really a situation for <clears throat> for Miami. Like Scott, I don't think Scott Thompson did anything spectacular. I just think he he manned the ship and he just didn't make the big mistake and Buffalo just kept making mistakes the whole time, which kept them in the ball game. Um, uh, next week it's going to be interesting. That's, that's the thing, but I was always worried about Buffalo having some kind of emotional letdown because the high was so high Saturday after, um, after, uh, I just lost the kid's name. Um, yeah. After the kids stopped by the facility, I thought they would have a letdown because of that. Yeah, and then it was it was media reports that he was going to be at the game, and he had, he had tweeted that. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, okay. I, it was media reports saying that he was supposed to be at the game, this, that, and the other, and he had to tweet uh, saying that he was at yeah, you good. Okay, okay. I think I'm behind. I might have to leave. I think I'm behind. Y'all keep going. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna leave and come back in. So I'm, I'm, I'm behind. I don't think. I don't think it was you, B. I think uh, Midnight Rider might be a little behind. I think he might be laggy. His uh, gerbils might not be working tonight. <laughs> All right, Mike, check. You can hear me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, All I right, was saying, Lamar Hamlin had. Demar Hamlin had had to tweet that he was home resting, and and that's something else. I'm kind of like, does he come to the game since it's Cincinnati and Buffalo and kind of get him guys some love and hey, I'm good, you know? Because you know you you got to thank the Cincinnati players too, you know, for that. And we talked about that 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 emotional roller coaster for both teams, and I think seeing him for both teams is going to be emotional high because both teams had to experience that on the field, so. Uh, if he came to the game for the divisional, I wouldn't be surprised since it's in Buffalo. And then, you know, if Buffalo does move on, they have to play at in Atlanta. So I don't think, you know, I don't know what his uh, recovery is. I don't know if they want him to travel anymore, but I wouldn't want him to come to 
Atlanta to, to support the team. I was, you know, expect him to be home resting. So it's going to be interesting to see if he shows up next week. Yeah. And my thing is, before we jump into next week, um, I was just thinking, I said, man, it'd be great if he came into this thing and he led the team out of the tunnel. I said, the emotional high right there, that's what I was hoping for. And I said, you know, if he was up for that and he just walked on the field and waved at everybody. You man, be careful with that, though. Yeah, yeah. You got to be careful with that because that could get emotional, you know, with the fans in the stands, right? The players on the field. And like the Midnight Riders say, that could be a high in the first quarter where you running and, and then all of a sudden you hit this brick wall and you don't have any more energy. We, we, we've been through emotional roller coasters, all of us. Yeah, you know, um, so you got to be careful with that. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills, you know, tell him to stay home. Let's, let's stay home and rest, kind of for his own good and their own good. You know, for right now, I, I think they've been through a lot with that, and they probably, you know, it's still in the back of their minds. That you had another scene like that. We'll get to that game, but you had another scene like scene like that in the Tampa Bay Dallas game last night. You know, so. It's not a look, good look for the NFL. You had two of them scenes over the last two weeks. Yeah. And stat-wise, let me you said something about Gabe Davis. Six catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Now, he's not your number one, Stephon Diggs. Is. Stephon Diggs, seven catches, 114. Like, I think y'all got – oh, man, I don't want to put that burden on them. But – if they keep going this way and, you know, uh, what's the other kid? Uh, you got Gabe Davis, Stephon Davis. What's the other receiver? Um, God, I can't think of y'all That's third. His receiver. name. Yeah, his name is slipping. I'm, a, I'm not, Give me a second. I'll find his name. I don't know why. I got his name on the tip of my tongue, and I want to call him something else. And <laughs> Is it McKenzie? McKenzie. No, nah, that's not the one that. That's not the one that dropped the ball that the one they've been going to lately. Because McKenzie ain't really been playing. You got John Brown, Cole Beasley been in there. And then it's uh Khalil Shakir. That's who that's who dropped the ball. Okay. They've been going to they've been going to him a lot. Um, you know, and Beasley. Beasley made, you know, some uh, a, a big play, you know. So they got some weapons. It's like they just uh, they gotta fine-tune some stuff and, and work on. They just got to tighten up, man. They got to tighten up and be mindful. They know how to play. They've been in these situations. It's not like we're not we're not talking about a team that had the the one of the best divisional games in NFL history last year. They got blown out in the AFC Championship game last year with Stephon Diggs still on the field watching. They've been in these situations. So right now, to me, they're just playing sloppy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if it's big head like we're Buffalo. We gonna, you know, we we gonna come in here and whip this stick. No, you you got it. We we talk about this all the time. Playoff football is different. Ask the Vikings. Mm. <laughs> we, we now see that was a great segue because we get ready to get to the Vikings. But what I was gonna say about your receiving core, with your Gabe Davis and your Stephon Diggs, don't crucify me for this. But if they keep going the way they're going with, I see you shaking your head already. If they keep going the way they're going with Josh Allen, who's already been anointed by Jim Kelly, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and you get yourself a solid slack corner, you may have 
kind of sort of a, a K-gun offense that's explosive all over again because Stefan Diggs is going to be your Andre Reed because he can stretch the field just like Andre Reed. I see a lot of Andre Reed and, and Stefan Diggs, and I love it. Big Andre Reed fan to be, you know, clear. Um, Gabe Davis can be your James Lofton. Then you need somebody that's like a Don Beebe, not scared to go across the middle and that's get bounced Cole on his team. Yeah, that's Cole Beasley. And, but he and has to stay healthy. And he's fine because he's he's not playing, you know, he's not playing starter snaps. You know, he's coming in a situational ball. So is John Brown and McKenzie. You know, they still got all these weapons. Khalil Shakir, you know, they got they got weapons. Like, look, when this when this offense is rolling, nobody can beat this team. Josh Allen can throw it anywhere on the field at any time at any angle, running, running away or towards. He, he, he can he, you know, him, Patrick Mahomes, they can make these throws at a flick of the wrist. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the issue. The issue is um sloppy ball. Like Midnight Riders say, Buffalo, Buffalo kept them in that game. And, and the same thing I said, the Buffalo Bills made that a game. It, and, and like you know, like I said, I give Skylar Thompson big props because he he did he did his thing. Like he like Midnight Rider said, he didn't make the big mistake, but he made some big throws, and he also missed a lot of Tyreek Hill and Waddle because you know a couple of times Tre'Davious White was on Waddle, he got smoked, and and Thompson's checking that thing down. If he had chucked it, sometimes with them type of receivers, sometimes you just gotta chuck it. And see, you know that Waddle and Hill, step by step, can't nobody on the Bills is it maybe um um Elam, the, the one we just drafted. He might have a little wheels, he might be able to keep up with them a little bit, but nobody else in our secondary is keeping up with those guys step for step. Sometimes you just gotta chuck it and let them guys try to, you know, hey, I'ma out throw you, but the, the Bills aren't gonna catch this ball. Let's see if you can get to it. Then you got, you know, if you do that a couple times, now, let's see, whatever corner you did that to, they coming back huffing and puffing. You go, <laughs> you bring some, yeah, you bring, and that's when you start working on that corner. Oh, you tired? All right, now cover this slant. <laughs> you know, cover this slant, cover this, cover that. You know, when you start tired, that's when you, you get tired. That's when you start making mistakes. That's when you miss tackles. You know, that's when you, you, you're trying to, you're trying to uh, 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 read something, and you you know you just you're a little off. Just it's it's a wear down tactic, just like running the ball. But Buffalo and, won, and and I, I'm I'm still high on on blood pressure, and that's still coming down. I'm hoping it's down by Sunday. And you talk about Waddle and and Tyreek Hill. Something that the late great Lynn Dawson said about Otis Taylor. He said, "I thought I overthrew him one time, but I forgot about that other speed that he had." Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle have that other gear, that other speed that, you know, you may not see all the time, but when that ball's in the air and they kick in them afterburners, they're going to get what they need. So Hill is scary, man. Hill is scary. They threw, they threw him um, a pass, and, and it's like he took off, and then you can see him hit another gear, and I think he stepped out of bounds because he was mad at himself. And I'm like – and I'm just looking at the TV. I'm like, he was about to be gone. Just little thing. that's – that's how the Chiefs got that touchdown. All it takes is for him to get the ball, and he got he like an old Chevy. He got three, 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 three speed transmission. One, two, three, and we in, we we going 120. That's it. It is no eight. It is no pretty electronic. 
eight shifts, you know, nice and quiet. You know, you don't feel the shifts. You, these are hard shifts. Gone, gone, gone. Goodbye. And it's, it's, the dude is scary, and Buffalo's going to have to deal with that. You know, that's going to be a fight for the division. That The, the Bills are not just going to walk away with this division. And, you know, that's for another show, but they got a <laughs> fight on their hands with Miami. Three speeds. Gone. Well, no, no. Go, gone, and goodbye. That's your three yeah. speeds. <laughs> Moving over. To- I'm leaving. <laughs> now, this has got to be the upset of the weekend. I, I, I think because if we pull out our bingo cards, who had Minnesota losing this game in the fashion that they lost it? And now, if you had them losing it, it was going to come down to the wire. It was going to be a, a, a shootout, you know, 12, 13, to 10 or something like that, you know, something just a, a shootout that got your heart pounding. <laughs> but who thought that Minnesota would lose this game 31 24? They had to convert a fourth and eight and they got short of the sticks. Midnight Ride, I'm gonna start with you first because on my bingo card, I didn't have I didn't have Minnesota at least going out until the uh the championship game at least because this team found a way to win in one score games all year long. Take it away. I thought I picked the Giants 20, 27-24. I picked the Giants too. Yeah. I believe you both did. And I said and I was like, mm. and then I told you that Daniel Jones was going to have a day. And you said, mm. and I said, trust me, because I've watched this team all year, and Daniel Jones has been the guy. He's been the person um making this work. And it's all because they kept it simple. And when you run, run Saquon and then get everything going, everything else falls into place. And their defense is designed to create chaos. They lead the league in free hitters to the quarterback. So it's it's just ridiculous how he schemes up a blitz and everybody's covered. So that's the thing for me. It's, it's crazy how you put six people up, five come, and, and one, of the, one of those five are free. And I think that's influenced. If you look at that last pass by Kirk, um, Watkins was influenced heavily or the heavy influence on him throwing short of the sticks. He just didn't have time. So I, that's what I think happened su- Sunday. And I just think Minnesota's defense has let them down all year, but they kept getting lucky. Well, your luck runs out sometimes. And the playoffs, it did. So that's what happened here. Go ahead, B. I'm sorry. And I had just said, you know, a couple of times mentioned in Minnesota and the way the Buffalo had to win all year, different ways, coming back, blowing lead. They 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 got it all under their belt. Minnesota does not. They've been in close games all year. Now you're down. Now you got your, your home crowd buzzing in fear. That's a whole different feeling. It is no next week. There There is no, well, we'll get them next week. We'll figure out how the way to win. Now y'all got to figure this out. Y'all haven't been in this situation before. And, you know, it's easy to blame Kirk Cousins when your defense can't stop anything. You know, it's it's, it's easy. It's easy to blame that guy, you know, oh, he can't win the big game and stuff. I wouldn't win the big game. Derek Carr, same thing. I can't win a big game, too, if my defense ranked in the 20s. What you expect me to do? What do you expect me to do at some point? I need the other half of the team to make a stop. Uh, and I, I, I told you guys this in the chat, and, and I'm going to send it to KG. I'm watching this game. 
and I'm watching Daniel Jones. And I said, damn, this shit looks familiar. And I just could I couldn't piece it together. You know, the plays, everything. I'm like, you know, and just couldn't piece it together until the until about the end of the game. I think it was the end of the game when Dayball ran out to the field and then it clicked. I said, Oh shit, that's right. He was the Buffalo offensive coordinator. He ran Daniel Jones just like he was doing Josh Allen last year. And it was a point in the game. They showed Minnesota's defensive line, and they had their hands on their hips, tired, trying to chase Daniel Jones. And that's what I'm saying. When you when you work wear these boys down, now they guess what? Now they don't have the energy to pass rush, or now they're second guessing committing to the pass rush fully because this boy gonna take off. It's such it's such a one two three punch. Then if you if you hold Danny Dimes in the pocket, now he throwing strikes. And you getting killed all types of way. You got to pick your poison. And if you watch Miami's defense yesterday, a lot of the reason why I, I know I, I got on Josh Allen a little bit, but a lot of reason why he didn't run because they had a spy on him for most of the game. And one of them safeties was spy. I forgot who I think it was number twenty two. Every time Josh Allen stepped up. He was right with him. Like, you're you're not going to run. You're not going to hurdle anybody today. You're not going to load. You're not going to do any of that today. You're going to throw that ball. We're going to take that poison. We're going – we feel like we can cover Diggs and, and Gabe Davis, but you're not running all over the place. The Vikings wasn't ready for that. It's like they didn't prepare for – they, they didn't know Dan, Danny Jones could run. And, and they paid for it yesterday. But, like – like I said, y'all, the people blaming Kirk Cousins, I, I don't get that. I just don't get it. It's he, the simple, the easy narrative. Go ahead. No, no, I, I just said it's the simple narrative to always blame Kirk, no matter what. They well, always yeah. say, Chase Keenum. Wait. <clears throat> but you got to also realize the quarterback takes the brunt of the blame. For, it's not just Kirk Cousins because I was going to ask a question. And I thought about it. I was like, Kirk didn't lose this game. Kirk was 31 to 39, 273 with two touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, 15 carries, 60 yards. TJ Hawkinson, 10, uh, 10 catches, 129 yards. But after Hawkinson, your next closest player, Adam Thielen, three for 50. Justin Jefferson, seven for 47. KJ Osborne, two for 20. Uh, Dalvin Cook, six for 10. Herb Smith, one for three. Alexander Madison, one for two. You know, it, 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 nobody was doing anything. Kirk trying, but, I mean, damn, you can only do so much. But then on the other side, and I have to say this about Daniel Jones, because I've given him grief since the 2019 draft. When he was drafted over Dwayne Haskins, I was absolutely pissed, you know. And when Dwayne Haskins was drafted, he, I think, and I, I always try to think about draft picks that I was actually happy about. I was happy about Dwayne Haskins. Because I was like, okay, he's a local kid. You know, he, he he's a little rough, a little raw. We can groom him. He he's gonna be pretty good because he makes good decisions. His his accuracy in college was pretty good. And I was like, you know, Daniel Jones ain't up there. Daniel Jones is a Duke quarterback. Last good Duke quarterback was Sonny Jurgensen. Ain't nobody been better than Sonny in 55, 60 years coming out of Duke. Unfortunately, we won't get those uh those matchups down the line but daniel jones has showed that he can evolve as a player 
uh never knew the boy had wheels until he played washington he ran i think he had 78 yards running rushing against washington he had 17 carries saturday uh sunday for 78 yards he was he led the team in rushing yet again he also was 24 35 301 and two touchdowns and he got help with isaiah hodgins you say what i said with no weapons oh shit he he, with his no weapons did pretty good Hodgins is a Buffalo um, um, practice team person. Mm. When Dayball when Dayball left, he took some of the Buffalo guys with him. He got yeah. like six, I think it was. They said, "Yep." I think the six players they brought because also the GM is a Buffalo guy. I want to say, yes, yeah, uh, he was. Uh, he was behind um, Brandon Bean and Sean Bean. I can't remember his name. Don't worry about it. I'll look it up. Hodgins eight catches, uh, 105. Darius Slayton four for 88. Saquon had 556. The, even Jalen Smith, who I, I, I always felt was a bust after leaving Dallas, I felt he was a bust because I, I watched a lot of film on him and he was just out of place all the time. When he was in Dallas, those last couple of seasons, he was out of place. When he was with uh the Packers for a little while, he was out of place, but he seemed to found a home in New York. He had because seven times. Because he gets to attack the line of scrimmage. There's a difference. He's dragging that leg that got messed up versus Ohio State back when he was at um, Notre Dame. When they played in that uh, Tostitos Bowl. When he tore his knee up, he was never going to be the same player. And all they've done now, instead of making him go sideline to sideline, he's coming more downhill at people. And that's his that's gonna be his forte for now. <clears throat> With that knee that he has. So, I, honestly, this is the best system for him. And hopefully he's smart enough to stay here and try not to go somewhere else. Because if he goes somewhere else, he'll get exposed again. Uh, I, I can agree with that. But the Giants, it's just like, wow. And I, I don't think I can be the only one that when that end of that game, I sat, I just kind of sat there shocked like, what the fuck? But, hey, the Giants win uh, the late <laughs> game on what, Sunday. It's Joe Stone. Okay, yep. That's, this is what happens. I, I say this all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw up one day saying it so much. When you get somebody <clears throat> offensively, defensively, that that knows what these what your, what your team can do, and you're not forcing your philosophy on them. You, you don't, you don't, your philosophy doesn't matter if you don't have the, the pieces and tools to run what you run. Maybe you ran something successful at another team. But you get somewhere else and you got different tools. You can't do the same work. You go out to work on your car and you don't have the right tools. You're not getting the job done. And it's, it's, a, it's just that simple. These teams can hire and fire these offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators and coaches. And some of these coaches and, and coordinators are deserving of it because they never change their style to the team they have. And I think Brian Dayball has done a great job of finding figuring out all season. I don't think he knew exactly when he came. I, I, I think he understood what he had, but trying to find that formula, I think he found that formula against the Vikings. And I think that the Eagles better sit up on their seat. You know how you losing in Madden, you got to sit up a little bit and play getting serious. The mm-hmm. Eagles better, the Eagles better, the Eagles could be, I, I mean, they wouldn't be going home. They'd be staying home. Well, you can see the Giants in the NFC Championship. I can agree with that. But they I can agree. They bought stock 
from this team, this or earn stock from this team, week one versus Tennessee. They score late on their last drive. I think the score is like 23-24, something like that. They go for two, they get the two, and then they hold Tennessee and they win that ball game. And from that point on, they play one style of football. We're going to beat you up on defense. You don't care what everything else happens. You're going to know you play the New York Giants. And then uh, I want to say it's Christian Wilkins, the kid from Clemson. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Wilkins is in Miami. So it's Dexter Lawrence is their deep, their nose tackle. He's just been a monster all year long. Nobody can handle him. Nobody can stop him. And that's what's happened is they created the identity. They stuck to it. And now the key for them is how do you take the next step? Who's your next draft pick? What receiver you're drafting? Because you have to draft a wide receiver. You need really need to come out of this draft with two. To be, if I gotta be honest, figure out what you want to do with Saquon. Um, some people I know may not sign a running back to a second contract because that's not really their philosophy. But hey, dude, don't give me that look. You got B. John Robinson coming out in this draft, one of the best running backs in the country. I can replace Saquon with that, save some money. And, and move on. Running backs are a dime a dozen. See, you know Content. what it is. You be, see, see, you, you Doc Walker philosophy. You Joe Content. Gibbs. You Joe Gibbs. I heard that. Because <laughs> we we you going y'all you're have a have different philosophy. Some money. You're gonna have to save some money somewhere. Because I'm Daniel Cal Jones, Shanahan's over here. Yeah, if Daniel Jones. You're gonna have you're gonna have to pay that boy. They didn't pick up Daniel Jones to be an option. Right. So now you got to pay him, pay him. Yeah, yeah. But all you had to do was pick up the option and say, let's see how next season goes. And then you could sign Saquon. But no. A good GM has to prepare for the future. Right. A good GM has to think down the line. Even if you pick up the fifth year option, if if he balls out next week, and beats the Eagles, okay, his stock is going to just keep going up. If they make it, even if he doesn't beat the Eagles and he has another big game and they're in that game, his stock is still high. So, yeah, you could pick up the fifth-year option. But, like, no, it's, too late. it's too late. Uh-huh. It's too late. You yeah, have to pick up at the end of – What is it, November? Year three or four, you have to pick up the fifth option in that okay. offseason. Yeah. So, they have to pick but Yeah, so – so now, like you said, don't get me wrong, Saquon's playing out of his mind. But can you afford to tie that money up in a running back? Look at Dallas. Look yeah, Dallas he got that money and he fell all the way off. But here's the the only equalizer in this, and we talked about it, I think, on our last Tuesday show, is TV money comes in next year because they got to redo all the deals. That's the option. So that salary cap number may go up. 50, 50 million just off of TV deals. But now, y'all talk about mm-hmm. paying a lot of money to Saquon, and I, I get how y'all feel about running backs. That's y'all philosophy, and I understand it 100%. It's not like I'm scratching my head. But you can't, you have to, Saquon has to be a self-aware man. He has SOS, to know. Baby. <laughs> SOS, school of Shanahan. He has to know I make I can't command 128 million dollars in this market, but if I stay here, we're building something. Let me put my pride to the side and say, you know what? I'll take a three year deal here for 
$42 million. KG, stop. Stop. I'm stop. just saying, man. Look. Stop. Stop. You. This your Madden team. Yeah. Oh, shit, man. Everybody uh, leaves me because I don't pay no money. <laughs> it, if you have an option, whether you win it or not, we've seen it time and time again with these players. You have to take care of business first. Yeah. And business is getting yourself paid. If somebody offers Saquon a ridiculous amount of money and the Giants aren't offering that, he's gone. But here's the thing. They offer him a ridiculous amount of money. He goes to uh, give me he goes to Carolina. And that, no, 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 no. Yeah, let's say he goes to Carolina. Carolina's in flux right now. He goes to Carolina. He gets his ridiculous amount of money. Let's say they give him ballpark figure $212 million for six years. And he pulls a fucking Dion, plays one year, and then be like, I'm done. You don't get that money. You get the guaranteed money. And depending on how this works, but it's you're, you're going to you're shorting yourself as opposed to staying in New York, doing what you're doing, being a part of this team. And I, I'm maybe I'm wrong because I've never had a whole bunch of money. But I play the game for the ring. I want the ring. That's the whole point of playing. Not for me to get paid. I want the ring. If I got a chance to get a ring, I want the ring. Because that's something you can't take away from me. The cars, the clothes, the money, the women, they all disappear. But one thing you can't take away from me is that fucking ring. Lamar wanted it, a ring. The got you say what? My yeah. bad, Midnight Rider. No, you good. No, I'm I just want to say Lamar, Lamar wanted a ring. You see where that got him? And all I was going to say is, I think this all season comes down to for the Giants. Who do you get to change the the franchise? Are you on you franchise Daniel because you have to? So there you go. That cap <clears throat> number on that franchise, that cap number, and that's, that's all. That's why you gotta get it done early. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and sometimes you know, it, it's only a one year deal, but just to get buy yourself some more time, you know, it, sometimes this is what you have to do. You know, like I said, if Daniel Jones is going to develop develop into a baby Josh Allen, then like quarterback is where you start your team at. <laughs> you mm-hmm. if you got the quarterback, I mean, you ask the team here. Ask the team here. Kirk Cousins gone. They haven't had a quarterback since. If you got a quarterback in your grasp, you have to pay him. Especially one that's being productive, you know, because we've seen teams have to kind of shut out the money that uh, for a quarterback that had a decent season, and you're hoping that he stays productive and, and it doesn't happen, Ryan Tannehill. But um, you know, it is what it is. If he if he continues to produce. The money's going to be there for Daniel Jones, and they're going to have to make a big decision coming up. Well, perfect segue. Speaking of making big decisions, uh, the Ravens fall to the Bengals in Cincinnati 24-17. The Ravens have a big decision to make going into this offseason. One thing, signing Lamar or letting Lamar walk, drafting a running – I'm sorry, not a running back, drafting a uh, receiver or two. They, that's another team that needs to come out of the draft for at least two receivers. Um. Then also, I asked a question on Twitter. Did we watch John Harbaugh coach his last game in Baltimore? So I'm going to throw this one to BJ first. 
Midnight Rider. Midnight Rider. Go ahead, Midnight Rider. No, I was gonna say, um, I got thrown off because we out of sync with the with the um squares. <clears throat> but no Harbaugh didn't coach his last game. Uh one thing the Ravens have been consistent with is being consistent with who's in charge and the message that is sent by this team. So maybe next year, but he's safe this year. Um <coughs> sorry. Um, in terms of everything else, Lamar, I don't know. I think you got to franchise tag him and wait another year. Only because what happens next with him is going to be, can he finish the season? Because he hasn't finished the season the last two years. What you guys think? Here, Here's one thing that popped in my head. The Bears GM said it would take a, 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 a basically an eye-popping deal to draft a quarterback. So Lamar is an instant upgrade. If you make a deal with the Bears and swap Justin Fields and some picks and Chicago's willing to pay him, you the Ravens get back a dynamic quarterback, a young dynamic quarterback, kind of, you know, what Lamar does, can run, can throw. I can't see a scenario. I, I I just think it's a small chance. I think Lamar has made up his mind. I think Lamar feels like, and, and I say this about the Ravens a lot, they're one of the better teams, the better front offices in the league. They've been like that for 20 years. Um, but I think they fumbled this. And I think the fumble is going to cost the number eight. I think he's gone. I don't think he – I think even if they make a deal with him, I don't think he wants to talk to them. Um, I don't know if y'all were watching the halftime of the Ravens game. John Harbaugh seemed really frustrated, super frustrated, super flabbergasted, super frustrated. And, um, you know, I, I, I just don't – yeah, they need a receiver. They've been – they needed a receiver. This is kind of like – Donovan McNabb with the Eagles. He needed a receiver. Needed a receiver. Needed a receiver. Throwing to trash. You know? Throwing to, to you know, garbage cans. So, you know, they need a receiver. Who, whoever plays quarterback, they need a receiver. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I understood what he was saying. I kind of thought felt like he threw Tyler Huntley under the bus. Because, you know, he said, you know, if we had Lamar, we'd win that game. And I agree with him. Because... You know, division opponent, they had the Bengals. If Huntley doesn't fumble that ball on the goal line, they're going up 24-17, and the Bengals are struggling to move the ball. You know, um, you know, I, I don't know if he meant, meant it like that. Maybe he, you know, he feels some type of – I think the team feels some type of way because, you know, they like Lamar. You know, it's not – you know, it's not a, a situation where, you know, they hate this guy. You know, they, they genuinely like Lamar. Lamar's a good dude. But I just – I think the Ravens and Lamar, I think that relationship is over. And if you can find somewhere – I mean, it's teams that need quarterback in that in that top five. If you're willing to give up the bank, the house for them, I think you can get them. The, the only thing I, – I like where your, your mind is going with the Chicago thing. I just don't think – I think Chicago's business is one of two things. Chicago, if they fall in love with Bryce Young, 
they'll move fields. Or if they fall in love with Stroud, they'll move fields. <clears throat> if they don't, they're moving the pick to somebody. So that way they can actually add some talent to this offense. They need a running back. They need a receiver. They need um, a tight end. They need a line. They need a little bit of everything for Justin Fields to succeed. So their mission this this offseason should be to come out of his draft with 12 picks, <clears throat> 13 picks, somewhere in that neighborhood, so you can replenish the talent all over this roster because you need it big time. You just gave up Smith. You just gave up um, the receiver that's in um, the Rams. Um, God, I can't think of his name now. Allen Robinson. So you need talent. It's amazing how quick quarterbacks develop once you throw a good receiver on the outside. See Josh Allen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's, you know, like I said, they you get you get a guy back. And, and, and like I said, Lamar's issue is can he play the whole year? You know, and, and this is a fantasy trade in my head, you know, but, you know, why go get <clears throat> Stroud when you got a known commodity commodity in Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson with this the Bears team. How many how many games they win? Three. Yeah. Three. He, I think he instantly takes them to a nine to ten win team with what they got right now. They ain't got they right got. Now. Uh, no, I'm just saying. No, I'm saying if they if they were to make a trade and get Lamar and switch some picks and stuff, and Lamar's playing in Chicago, I think they become a nine to ten win team with 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 the roster they have right now. All right, so let me let me ask you this, Big. You got a quarterback on a rookie deal. You're acquiring. You're trying to acquire a quarterback that's going to cost you forty plus million per season. And you're Chicago. You don't really have time around them. You probably got to switch out some things in your defense. Are you really in a position to say I want to invest forty million in a quarterback, as opposed to dealing with these rookie deals that you would either have. Stroud, Young on, or Justin Fields. Oh, trying to get back to you. I was trying to fear, find a salary cap and see what the Bears had as far as salary cap. Because remember, look, listen to this. Like I said, this is a, a fantasy deal in my head. But something I got you. I got you. And, and, and I'm just asking questions because of, I'm trying to figure out your belief system, your thought process. Because I, I feel like I feel like because Lamar is so well liked, I don't know what, I, and I don't have everything in front of me. But if Lamar signs in Chicago, your free agents are coming to Chicago too. So you 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 have to figure out if you're if if there's something you want to do as a Bears GM, you have to figure out. All right, do I just want to build young, get these rookie contracts in here, and have this three to three to four year process where we possibly could be on top of the division? Or do I want to do what Jacksonville just did and go get guys now and win now? Do I want to do what the Rams did, go get guys now and be a threat now? Because you can get the pieces. You can go get some pieces. It's always somebody or another trade available, somebody trying to get out from a contract or a guy that's not happy, a receiver or something, or just need a change of pace, whatever the case is. You know, who thought Devontae Adams would be available? You know, you, you, you might have some, you might have some options. And I'm just saying like, 
and I just I, I was just talking to Big Jim about this. Buffalo before Josh Allen. Nobody wanted to come there. If you came there, you were coming there for the money. You're coming there for the money. You weren't winning games, but you got this franchise quarterback now, Joe Burrow. You got uh, Allen. Guys want to go play with these guys. So if Lamar moves, you heard what J.K. Dobbins said about Lamar, and how and, and you can see how uh, how he regards him. Guys are want to going to go want to play with Lamar Jackson. That that's that's my thinking, and I know it's a lot, and I know it's far fetched, but if they get Lamar Jackson, I can't see them keeping that number one pick. I, I, I just, I, you know, that I think that's going to be part of the deal probably, or, or is, is, is it, it might facilitate, facilitate a three team deal or something because Lamar's a big, big commodity. We're not talking about, you know, just upgrading. We're talking about a, a, a friend, you know, like I said, his, his thing is, can he stay healthy? We're talking about a franchise QB. Like I said, they won three games. We're talking about somebody with the current roster you have built right there can probably maybe win you the division. I I just I just don't see it only because I've watched Chicago and that offensive line was just a sieve. And they basically if you had put five turnstiles out there, <clears throat> Metro style, they'd have done a better job of blocking than what, what this line did for him. And then in terms of the trade, when I think of trades, <clears throat> and this is why I asked you the question, I'm thinking two levels, right? So now I got to move Justin Fields for something, and then I got to get Lamar Jackson. Maybe it becomes a one-for-one. One, maybe not. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe it becomes a situation where you're doing fields to for Lamar, you're signing a deal, and then you got to send picks to him to get Lamar. And that's the only reason I don't think they want to do this. I think the Bears are in a situation where if they're doing anything, they're gathering picks. And But I like the idea. I like where you're going with this. But I just think, just from my way of thinking, I don't see it because – the Bears have to give up to get. Well, I, here's my thing. I'm listening to you guys, and I'm 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 sitting here, and I'm I'm revving the engine because I'm ready to go. I'm ready to bust loose. Why in the blue fuck would I trade a quarterback I just drafted? That ain't played bad, but it's nothing around him. He played well with, with the circumstances. Why in the blue fuck would I trade him? And to sign somebody else that may be a little bit better talent wise, but it's gonna cost me money more money for that talent, so I can't sign any other pieces. Why would I make that move? That's like you think you're taking four steps forward, but you're actually dragging yourself seven steps back. That's just my opinion. See, and I think the 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 league has pushed this narrative of once you sign the quarterback, um, everything else goes kaput. And that's, I'm a firm believer. Like, I've watched these teams draft. I'm a draft aholic. And most of the time, these teams mess up in the draft. When you start, when you pay the quarterback, the unfortunate thing is you make mistakes in the draft going along in the process. You find busts. You don't get quality out of your fifth and sixth round pick. That's really the thing that's hurting these teams. Perfect example is just Baltimore. Baltimore can't, Baltimore and New England cannot draft a wide receiver 
to save their lives. Everyone they pick. It's like the second they walk in the building, they put the Patriot jersey on. It says first round pick on the back of the jersey. Just might as well say bus because it just doesn't work. It, it just doesn't work for those programs. And, and, and that's the, the, the hard part about this. And that's why I just truly believe, you know, when, when it comes to this fields thing, I would give up on fields because I can get something for them. But that's going to be to build my franchise. And the thing I would look at is, and I'm going to be completely honest, my transparency is here. I got two years left of fields because I, I think next year is his fourth year, and then you get his fifth-year option. Well, I can reset that clock and draft a quarterback. And maybe I get back what I want. Or if I can get something good back for fields, maybe I take that. And maybe that's what you're doing in Chicago right now is you're putting – up on your wall that maybe I like I want to I mean I might think about drafting a quarterback because now teams will give you two options they're gonna call you to see what it takes to get the first pick and then they're gonna call you to see hey if you're really trying to get off of Justin Fields what's it gonna take now you got open lines of communication on both levels and now you can add to your roster however you feel and I think that's the best way for Chicago to move forward on this is to 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 play the game that we might draft a quarterback and if I'm Chicago, every time C.J. Stroud or B. Bryce Young um, has a workout or anything like that, I got seven guys there. I got the coach. I got the assistant coach. I got the GM. I, I got the assistant water boy. Um, I got Bobby Boucher. I got everybody there. And we just going to keep looking. And it's going to look like we really trying to get a quarterback for as long as we can um, put that facade on. And, and, and I'm going to have a rule that nobody can talk to the beat reporters because I don't want them to know that we just putting on a show. I got you. Now, focusing on Baltimore's current quarterback, because we're talking Baltimore versus Bengals from Sunday, 17 to 29, 226, two touchdowns in a pick for Tyler Huntley. He almost threw a game, game tying touchdown late. And, um, the receiver, what was his name? What is his name? Number three. Right, I can't. Christian, is it three? Yeah. Christian Porsche. Went SMU. Right off the fingertips. Right off the fingertips. Almost had it. Um, for Joe Burrow, 23 of 32, 209, and uh a touchdown. They have no run production. 11 carries from Joe Mixon, 39 yards. Samaji P Ryan, two carries for three yards. Joe Burrow, five for nine. They they don't have a run production, but to win a game like this, I guess you didn't need it. Um, but the Bengals win 24-17, knock the Ravens off, send them home. And another note on Lamar before we move on, Calais Campbell himself said, all the reports about Lamar not working hard enough to come back are untrue because I've been rehabbing with him, and I know he's working. He wants to come back. Stop all the false narrative. That's all I've been saying for the last couple of weeks. Cut it out. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. So. Last but not least, uh, I got to call Big Jim because, um, you know, he's my agent when teams need kickers. Uh, he always takes me around in the Winnebago to try out. But Tom Brady and the Bucks go down to the Dallas Cowboys 31-14 last night. Uh, Brett Maher missed four extra points. Like, what was going on with him last night? I, that was the biggest story during the game. The biggest story after the game, Byron Leftwich fired his OC in, in Tampa Bay. Byron Leftwich, top assistant, mentioned in the same circles as Eric Bieniemy, 
Todd Bowles before he took over as head coach. When you talked about assistants going around through the coaching cycle, getting interviews because everybody was interested in them. Byron Leftwich was always one of the top two or three that you heard. And he's fired after this game. Uh, let, let, let's talk about the Buccaneers first, gentlemen. Tom Brady looked human. 35 of 66. He threw the ball 66 times. 351. Two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Leonard Fournette, five carries, 11 yards. Richard White, seven carries, 41 yards. Oh, my God. First and foremost, why are we talking about the Bucks? Yes and no question. Was that the last game for Tom Brady? No. I don't know. No. I'm 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 on the fence. I'm I'm with BJ. I'm like, I don't know. But here's about, why. Okay. Here's why. Um this offseason, he has he gets to have a clear mind. He ain't got to go home to them damn kids wanting to do TikTok videos. Um he can actually relax, eat his avocado ice cream in peace. You know what I'm saying? He might have a new boo. You know what I'm saying? She'll take care of him. She ain't gonna want to do too much because she she with Tom Brady. She don't care. The other thing is, this is the first time he actually gets to become a free agent. So I think there's something in that that that's involved in that that's going to appeal to him. He could maybe end up in Vegas like he wanted to beforehand, or end up in Miami like he wanted to beforehand. Or end up in Tennessee. Three places he can end up. And I think all three places, you play with your old teammate, Mike Rabel. That ain't bad. You play in Miami. And then you play in Vegas. Which old OC? Adams? Come on. He's the bell of the ball in this situation. Instead of him being. Um, Prince Charming, he's the Cinderella. And everybody's trying to figure out if they can put the shoe on his foot. Yeah. But you know Cinderella asked the question. I don't know all that. Yeah, she asked the question. She said, what do I do when I get to the ball? Oh, okay. Um, Prince Charming said, most likely gag. But go ahead, BJ. <laughs> <laughs> Here, Here's the thing. Byron, Byron Leftwich was a scapegoat. Because if you watched that game yesterday, I don't know if Tom Brady was hurt or whatever, but it was a lot of balls that were in the dirt. There was a lot of balls that were inaccurate. So that wasn't Byron Leftwich. There was a lot of things that were uncharacteristic of Tom Brady last night. He was missing a lot of receivers. So I don't know why Byron Leftwich got fired over that. I think they were just looking for an excuse to fire him, I guess. Um, but here's the thing for the first time in a long time, I don't see, even if Tom Brady continues his career, I don't see whatever team he goes to, I don't see them doing anything. If he goes to the Raiders, they're going to be the Raiders. They're going to finish second or third in the, the AFC West. He goes to Tennessee. I already told you, I, I think, you know, I got Jacksonville winning that next year. 
And if he comes to Miami, Miami probably would be the better choice for him because of the weapons. You know, he's still got a cannon. You got Waddle, and we just talked about Hill, Waddle, and Mostert. That probably would be the better option, but then you got to play Buffalo. You got to get through that. So, look, wherever he goes, it's going to be – I think it's going to be the Tom Brady you saw last night. I don't I don't think it's going to be Tom Terrific we've seen over the last, you know, 20-something years. Well, kind gentlemen, I would like to – I will beg to differ with you because if you go with – Tom Brady in Las Vegas. He's got Josh Jacobs. He's got Darren Waller. He's got Devontae Adams. He's got Renfro. All the Raiders have to do is put some form of a defense together and, and, and make it work. And what you do with, with Tom is you sign him to a two-year deal where the second year is basically an option. Two, you send him to Tennessee. He's got Derrick Henry as his running back, probably the best running back he's ever played with. Then you add in Traylon Burks, the wide receiver they got from Arkansas who was hurt this year, most of his rookie season, but he's now going to year two. That light bulb goes on, and if Tennessee is smart, Tennessee drafts another wide receiver, and this draft is full of them. You just All you do is close your eyes, and if there's a kid from Ohio State, you draft him. And if there's not a kid from Ohio State, you take what's left or what's next available. I haven't gone to my draft breakdown yet, but I already know that. Number three – was the last team was Miami. I mean, you got Mike McDaniel, and hopefully the only problem you would have with that is Tom's older than Mike McDaniel, and would Tom be able to either adjust to McDaniel and and allow McDaniel to coach him? Because this team has Hill and Waddle, and then you also have, again, a decent running game that can get you by. So And a defense that's going to be much better next year when you get a full season of Bradley Chubb. So I don't see a situation where he they may not win the division, but they'll definitely get in the playoffs and they'll be dangerous. I'll say it that way. If he goes to the Raiders, they're gonna put up 34 points a game, and they're gonna get smashed by the Chiefs. It's gonna be 54-34 because they have no defense in Oakland. And Derek Carr got scapegoated for that. You go to Tennessee, you have to deal with Jacksonville. Tennessee, I, I praise Tennessee's defense up and down the field. That might be, and I'm thinking about what, he, what you said, Derrick Henry would take a load off of Tom Brady because you can't ask Tom Brady to throw 50 and 60 times. It's just not, it's not, I think, I really think he was tired last night. I really do. You saw some of those balls just go right in the dirt, you know, shorter the receivers. I think he was tired, man. I think he got, Father Tom might be catching up a little bit. I don't know what it is. Um, and then, like I said, Miami, uh, you know, Miami got a really good team. They got really good defense. They got weapons. That, I think that would be the better because you know what you got. You got a prove, two proven wide receivers. You have a proven defense, um, you know, that can stay with the best, right now the best team in the division. And then, you you, you know, you're chucking it to Tyreek Hill and, you know, Waddle. So, yeah, the, for me, I, I wouldn't go to the Raiders. I, I wouldn't. I mean, unless they make some type of, you know, defensive improvement, like major defense improvements, nobody's beating Kansas City over there. Nobody. I don't care who they get. I don't care if they get Tom Brady and have and call Steve Young to back him up. They're not beating Kansas City. 
They they they're just not. Denver's not beating Kansas City. Who's the other team in the West? Who am I missing? The Chargers. The Chargers. The Chargers. It's gonna be the Chargers and the Chiefs. And I no, say the Chargers. I, and I, the Chargers. Yeah, Chargers. The Chargers, Chargers. But I picked them to win the division next year. So I, I just <clears throat> I don't have to be. I got the Bron. I got the Broncos having another top ten pick next year. Sorry, Delonte. And then the Raiders. Like I said, the Raiders. They're gonna be one of those teams. They got to play on all cylinders. They can beat anybody. But you know, how often do you play mistake-free football for seventeen games? It's not possible. And they they can't they can't play like that. Well, here's the thing with the Raiders. Just last thing. I'm sorry, KG. The Raiders can't pick worse than they have picked the last three years. They can't. Because if you look at their picks, 80% of them aren't even on the roster anymore. Like, I watched Tanner Muse play for the Seahawks this week. He was their third-round pick. Uh, I think Trayvon Mullins is in Dallas. He was a first-round pick. Alex Leatherwood. They got three sacks out of... Their first round defensive end pick from um, Cleveland Mullen or Cleveland, whatever his name is, it don't matter because he stinks. <clears throat> he shouldn't have been drafted that high. But it's 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 just one of those situations where the Raiders were mismanaged because John Gruden was taking the picks and not listening to Mike Mayock. I'm I'm completely convinced that he didn't give Mayock any kind of voice. Because I've heard him talk bad about the players they drafted, so I know it wasn't on Mayock. <clears throat> so as long as they draft well, they're fine. But let's kind of transition because we, we got to talk about Tampa versus Dallas because Dallas actually did something last night where they actually played ball, and that was good. So let's go to that. Let's talk about that part of it. Well, you read my mind. <clears throat> uh, Dak Prescott. 25 of 33, 305, four TDs. Tony Pollard led the team in rushing 15 carries, 77 yards. Uh, Dalton Schultz, seven catches, 95 yards. CeeDee Lamb, four catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Dalton Schultz had two touchdowns as well. Dak was throwing guys open last night. He was finding guys in the zone. It seemed like no matter what Tampa Bay called, no matter what they did, they always were a step or two or six late. All night long. Uh, the only downfall for Dallas this game was Brett Maher. I don't know why he was kicking. First, he pulled the first three. No, the first two went to the right. Then he knuckleballed one to the left. And I'm like, what in the fuck did you do, buddy? What did you do? He hit one extra point all night long. I, I I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But Dallas played a complete game on offense and defense. I think that was probably the best coach game that Mike McCarthy has coached uh, while he's been at the helm of Dallas. Um, this is not the team we saw a week prior here in D.C., Orlando, I should say. This team came out with something to prove. They went into halftime up 18 to nothing, and they kind of just put it on cruise control in the second half. And, of course, they pulled it out 31-14. Now, as far as the game goes, gentlemen, could Dallas do any wrong last night? 
Um, I think the only thing they did wrong was Mar. Like I just, after the third one, you just gotta let the guy just like don't embarrass him anymore. Like just mm-hmm. just go sit down, come out, kick the ball off, and, and that's it. Um, we'll go for two. We'll we'll play this like we play Madden. Um, and just go for two the rest of the game because it just it didn't make sense to keep pushing them out there and pushing them out there. And it was almost sad that the kid had to go through that because it just felt like Dallas was rubbing in his face. And you know they can't get another kicker between now and in the playoffs. So this might be their downfall. You know, I thought about that last night. I said, what if the next game he has the same issues and all of a sudden – it comes down to it. It's a 34-yard kick to win the game to send them to the Super Bowl or a 34-yard kick to send them to the NFC Championship game or a 34-yard kick to win the Super Bowl. And he shanks it. Kickers that's do have to – go ahead, B. It, that's that's something they're going to have to deal with. I didn't like the fact uh, – I don't know if it was the third or fourth one that he missed, but Dak Prescott was super frustrated and – you know, showing his frustration. And it's just like, look, man, everybody goes through something. You've had really bad games, you know. And after the second one, it's like I, you could see it on his face. It was mental now. It was mental. The third one, the fourth one, you know, the guys, you know, you know, trying to hit him on the helmet, give him, you know, cheer him up. But, um, you know, hopefully he bounces back from it. That's a – Nobody wants to go out there and do that. Nobody wants to go out there and do that, man. That's that's. I think it was just mental. I think it was it was mental, the nerves, the pressure, you know. But like KG said, they. I think when they play San Francisco next week, points are going to be at a premium, and we'll see next week if he's going to be the Dallas kicker next year. One thing about kickers, and this is something. I heard Jimmy Johnson say, I want to say it was, was it Lynn Elliott? It, they were in training camp and he was kicking, kept missing. He says, uh, what's wrong, man? He said, I lost my confidence, coach. He said, oh, okay, you'll get it back. Don't worry about it. He went directly in, found himself another kicker, cut Lynn Elliott about an hour later and got himself another kicker. If that was possible, and I, I was thinking about that. I said, damn, if that was possible, they would have cut him before the end of the game last night. And they would have, but see, that whole frustration from that, that's not how your lead, your team leader is supposed to act. All right. You've I, you've had games where you've brain fought it and fucked up the church's money. The game in Washington. Uh a couple of games that you played Washington, you fucked up. Um I can't even name all of them, but nobody got on your case like that, but you're going to get on the kicker's case. That's that, that, that says something right there coming from your team leader. That says a lot. He, um, he tried to, he tried to clean it up, you know, and I guess they asked about him. He was like, he's, he's money mayor's biggest fan, you know, but the actions speak louder than words. Exactly. And, and, and when I saw that on the sideline, I, I, I didn't like that. Like I said, you know, you up, you're up big right now. It's not really costing you right now because Tampa can't really move the ball. You know, I think after the second miss one, maybe maybe he was frustrated. Maybe he went to McCarthy and after the second miss one, let's say let's just go for two. You know, 
and maybe after that second miss one, they should have went for two to try to make them two miss extra points up. So maybe yeah. maybe that maybe that was his frustrating frustration. But you got to show it a different way. You know, the camera's on you all the time, and you got to see him slam his helmet down and you know yell that explicit, and and you can see his his mouth saying, "Go for we're not. Why don't we go for two? So. Uh, like I said, I think that was the the worst part because that's you're supposed to be a leader. That's the worst part right there. And you alluded to our next topic, the divisional playoff round, which starts on Saturday. Uh, the Jaguars and Chiefs started off at 430 on Saturday. Um, That night at 815, Giants versus Eagles. We will cover both of those games on Thursday. Then Sunday, 3 p.m., the Bengals have to travel to Buffalo. Am I correct in that, BJ? Yes, sir. Highmark Stadium. All right. Bengals will be in Buffalo to take on the Bills at 3 o'clock on Sunday. And at 6.30, a classic, classic 90s matchup. The Cowboys visit Candlestick. I mean, Levi Stadium. I'm sorry to take on the 49ers and four games, four people, it's the end of the road. Let's just say that four teams will take it and it'll be the end of the road. So uh, we'll discuss those games on Thursday. Now, last but not least, uh, I told the gentleman that I wanted to cover something because uh, KG's got beef. So, Alabama player, well, former Alabama player Darius Miles, not talking about Knuckleheads podcast host Darius Miles, but Alabama basketball player Darius Miles and also Michael Davis are charged with capital murder. Um, Apparently, it's come out that Darius Miles admitted to providing a gun to Michael Davis, and he proceeded to shoot a young lady while she was sitting in the passenger seat of the car. Um, I just had her name. God. Uh, Jamia Harris. Mother of, I think they said she had a five-year-old. Shot now, allegedly, the cause for the shooting was because she didn't want to talk to them or talk to him. And this right here is becoming a trend. Most people don't see it if you don't look at it, but it's becoming a trend where men are getting upset because women don't want to talk to them and they're lashing out and committing violent crimes, shooting women in the head because, oh, she don't want to be with me, so I'm going to kill you. As the father of girls, and BJ, I know you have girls as well. As a man, you cannot act like that. You cannot run around in this world 
and get mad because somebody don't want to talk to you. If you're going to act like a bitch, you should be treated like one. I just got the look for my wife. I can't say that. But that right there, that's a senseless shooting. And we're at the point at this time in, in our society where we have to say enough is enough. And it's not just the violence against women. It's the violence against everybody. You know, we, we got to say enough is enough. Like this woman lost her life. This is a mother. A child would never see their mother again because of somebody being butthurt over something that was probably small and trivial. When, when, when are we going to do better? And I say we as a people, when are we going to do better? And both Darius Miles and, and, and Michael Davis are both charged with capital murder and they're being held without bond. I don't care if Darius Miles just provided the gun. Slim, why would you even let your mans go out like that? Instead of everybody running around talking about free my mans, he ain't do nothing. Why don't you talk to your mans and say, hey, don't do that. Keep him out of trouble from the first point so you don't have to yell out free my mans. Oh, we're going to scream free you till they free you. Nah, obviously he did something wrong. Leave his ass locked the fuck up. When are you going to start taking responsibility and accountability and uplifting your folks? And saying, hey, don't do that. I'm not giving you no gun to go shoot no woman, man. What's wrong? You would have had to knuckle up with me right then and there. How soft are you? Brother, you make some valid points. Unfortunately, we would have to create another email, another podcast account to tackle those issues because that's a conversation that can go on forever. And, you know, I think we all see, you know, as older men, older black men, that, you know, the generation underneath us is wired different. Um, and, you know, it's just, you notice things, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I, it's, it, I don't think it's one thing you can point your finger on and be like, okay, it's that. I think it's a slew of things. And I think one of them is um, a lot of them expect things to be instant. You know, and I think social media did that fame, success, you know, not working for things, not not having to do things. It, you know, that's that's one of the contributing factors, I think. Um, but, you know, I've seen this a lot. A lot of people don't take rejection well, and it's gotten worse and worse over the years. And, and like KG said, at no point, you know, you get rejected by somebody that you that gives you a right to take their life. So as this is a sad situation, um, especially I feel for the, the family, I feel for the, 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 the child, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing more you could say, you know, I'm tired of saying thoughts and prayers because it's, you know, it's obviously not working. Um, they, I don't know how to tackle it, man. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know how to tackle it. Um, I really don't. And I, I, I've said for quite some time we've had these conversations off air. So, but I just I thought that had to be that needed to be said that needed to be addressed. And it is it's it's a rough uh, subject, especially as the father of girls, you know. So, I, I just I don't know how to. I don't know how to proceed with it. Let's just say that, but. 
let's wrap this thing up. Um, final thoughts, gentlemen, before we roll up out of here. Let's get let's get some predictions for this weekend. What y'all think of the games this weekend? No, nah, let's hold that. That's content, baby. That's content. <laughs> oh, okay, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> well, I mean, if we want to talk about anything, since this is the throwdown, we gotta stay local and talk about Georgetown seeking number twenty nine. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> John, I just want to. It's in the atmosphere, man. Yeah, hold this shit the fuck over. Um, BJ, if you interested, if 29 happens on my page, as always, we do what the new tradition is to take the number of losses. So let's say this is 29 and we take a football player or any kind of sports player that wears the number of the number of losses we're at for Georgetown. So like this week we're at 28. So of course, Daryl Green, Curtis Martin, <laughs> that joke were mentioned by the public. You know what I'm saying? I can go old school. Shout out to Tom Hurst, second baseman for the um, St. Louis Cardinals. So that's oh, what, that's just the things that we're doing now. So so 29, get your 29s ready. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of guys. You know, somebody already tried to throw Eric Dickerson out there. So and then and then there was a concern because my cousin Eric was like, well, once we get to 99. What do we want to do when, with the like, wow. the you know what I'm saying? And I was like, we could just start at double zeros and go double zeros. You know, one would be Warren Moon, double zero would be like Jim Otto. So, yeah, we good. You, you, this is what you really wanted to do. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just trying to make everybody aware of what's going no, on. No, 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 but see, see local. This you, the, you, the throwdown is about local teams. You've been going on and on and on and on and on and on about this for about almost a week and a half now, man. Every day, every day, every day I wake up, I say he's not gonna say nothing today. He 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 gonna he gonna let me have a good day. He gonna let me have a productive day. And then what happened? Boom! It's like I be walking down the street, and all of a sudden you just come out from in out the shadows and hit me in the face with a bat like you sting. Like why, man? Why you do this to me? I'm just trying to keep people entertained with local sports, and and, and unfortunately, George sounds a local basketball team, predominant. I mean, we could talk Merlin, but every time Merlin gets on a national stage. They poop the bed too. So I mean, it's like I'm here for the fans. I'm here for the people. I'm just trying to make sure they understand what's going on. You know, BJ, you got any final thoughts, man? Before we get up out of here, yeah, I'm on a wizard strike, mm. and until until three leaves DC, I'm not watching another Wizards game. Mm. Every every time I peek at the box score, this dude is once again not playing. The biggest two hundred plus million dollar mistake in DC sports history. I will not watch another game of the Wizards. I refuse to. Um, with that being said, bitch, shout out to Kuzma and Porzingis. I see them doing their things, but I just can't support this team with this guy. And and, and you sent me something in Instagram with John Wall talking about. That 16, 17 team, they would have beat the Cavs and stuff. And I think that's John's problem. I think that's Bill's problem. They and I said it before, they they walk around like they accomplished something. And they haven't busted an egg in this league. Especially not Bill. So that's all I got, man. So can I follow up on that? Absolutely. I, I heard an article, I saw an article or so um maybe it was my coworker that was telling me about it where he said that John Wall reached out 
to Brad Bill because I guess Brad Bill had the power, he had the juice, and Bill was like, "Are we running this back?" I mean, I'm sorry, Wall was like, "Are we running this back?" And Bill was like, "I don't know." And they're saying basically, Bill was, I guess, the 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 constructor or the reason why Wall didn't come back, um, and that's why they moved on and made that deal with, I guess, it was Houston. At the mm-hmm. time, so yeah, absolutely. I, so, and, and who I agree. Your thoughts on that? I mean, I want both of y'all thoughts because no, I know I you guys are deal guys. I, I agree hundred percent, and I've been said that, um, you know, he has too much power on his team for him not to accomplish anything in his league. You know, he, the power he has is the power he's willing at the Wizards, and I say he holds them hostage. He does is is the same power LeBron James has. How can you have that power and you haven't accomplished anything? But this is a franchise that is so scared to lose talent that they're willing to do anything when you get a, a good mediocre player, because that's what he is. You know, I, and I said at best, this dude is a great number two, a good number three on, on like a Philadelphia or something where you got, you got Harden and, and, um, and B. You know, he's not he's a beta male. That's that's what that's what Bradley Bill is. And look, he can play ball. I'm not going to take that away. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a bum. He can play ball, but he's not a franchise guy. And I just cannot understand why the Wizards are letting Bradley Bill control his franchise. And as long as he does, this will be a 12th place team. They will never win anything under a Bradley Bill led team. It's not going to happen. Well, for me, to see John, I, I didn't think John Wall, and I said this on air, you can go back and listen to the shows, and BJ was like, yeah, it's possible. I was like, nah, John Wall leaving out of D.C. ain't happening because he got an, a trade kicker, and they got to pay all this money, and they made it happen. They made it happen. And I always thought that John Wall wasn't the problem. Not even saying Bradley Bill was the problem. I just needed them to play together. Like, how many get I think they only played 82 games together. Mm-hmm. 82 games in, what, four years? That's not enough. But it always seems to happen like that in D.C. It happened like that with Chris Webber and Jawan Howard. Chris Webber stayed hurt. Jawan Howard was ineffective. Ross Strickland had to carry that team. Then when they all got together and they played the majority of the games, they went on the run, they made it to the playoffs. Unfortunately, it was a late run, so you were the AFC, so you had to play Chicago. You should have built off of that. The the runs that John Wall and Bradley Bill did have, they never built off of. Were they a good team? Yeah, they were a really good team. Very exciting to watch. Everything. But they 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 haven't done anything. You know, but saying that you was going to beat the 16 Cavaliers, 16, 17 Cavaliers. <laughs> I said that because I'd say that I, BJ need a laugh and I was going to make him laugh. And that, and that's that's the issue. That was their issue when they were here. They were they were so big headed, and and it's like at a point he was like, you would have thought these guys went to Game Seven of NBA Finals and were a legitimate threat in the league, and they're not. They never were. They well, never they were themselves they, the best backcourt in the league. And they and they and they for a minute they they were, for a minute they were a threat. But they were too inconsistent, missing the games, 
especially Bill. Like I said, Bill basically picking his own schedule. This guy's hurt every month. For the last two years, he's conveniently got hurt right before the trade deadline, and they couldn't move him. Yeah, he last year was the risk. Yeah, you you talk you talked about wanting a ring, and playing for a ring. That's not what Bill's playing for. He's playing for comfort. He's comfortable here. He gets to pick his schedule. He gets con- he, he's controlling the franchise. And look, I believe in Tommy Shepard. I do believe that. I don't know if it'll be this season or this all season. I think eventually he'll trade him because well, he's the piece. He's the piece is not working. Word on the street is that the Lakers are interested, and they can have him. The Lakers are interested in everybody. Yeah, well, they are. Somebody, Grandma Shirley, on the corner right now. We are trying to offer him the 2029 first round pick. It's ridiculous. No, the and Lakers are interested in him and Dane. We've been on. Dude, we've been on um, what you wanna call it? Uh, what's my man Cam Reddish? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Van Fleet or Van whatever. Van Fleet. Yeah, we we've been on everybody. They they trying to trade us everybody, and all we got is that bullshit ass 2027 first round pick that's unprotected. Well, what I hear is that it, it, any trades that happen, it won't have any picks involved. It'll be straight up player swaps. Like I, I've heard that Russell Westbrook might wind up back in DC. Like so they'll we, figure you know, it out. Westbrook, none. What? What? No, this is ugly. This is got yo. Know, whatever GM takes that. Let me tell you players. Rob Palinka ain't no, and I didn't really care for Mitch Kupchak when he was the Lakers GM. I say he's cool, but I I, I prefer Jerry West because Jerry West used to pull off some shrewd moves and get players, and you kept the Lake Show, the Lake Show. It, it was what it was. But Rob Palenka has strapped this team so bad. And they're trying to get out from underneath of it. Just like Ernie Grunfeld strapped the Wizards with bad drafting and bad contracts. They got to get out from underneath of it. It's the same thing. Same thing. But somebody's going to take that trade. And I think Washington is going to be your your, 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 your taker. Because they want. I think they want to get out from underneath of Bill. And I, and I and I think they're going to come to that realization. I don't think – I think Washington has a good team. But the piece that's supposed to take your team over and be the, the glue and be the, the superstar isn't doing that. That's what – Porzingis, Kuzma's balling. You know, you got, your, you got your, your two of three, but the guy that's supposed to be the franchise has not been the franchise. He hasn't proved – he didn't prove before he got that contract he deserved that contract. You know, and it, it is what it is. Like, it, this team is going to be where it is. This team is 12th place, I believe. This team is going to be here every year fighting for playing spot and barely getting into the playoffs only to meet Philadelphia, Chicago, Miami, Milwaukee in the first round and get swept. Mm-hmm. That's what this team is. I would prefer, I would love to have Westbrook back. With the team that's constructed now, absolutely would love to have him back. You know, when so they signed Bill. To us, hold on, hold on. So you're trying to give us Bradley Bill. We give you Westbrook, none, whoever else, and you're good with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know the trade. Oh, I know man. the trade is not, not going to be that. Hold on. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I know it's not going to be that easy. But just think of the production, Russell Westbrook, the, the, the career year he had when he was in D.C., and, and the thing is, this is why this is why you can tell, and I know we're running over. This is how you tell whether you got a franchise play or not. Bill took a backseat to Russ when he came here. Bill went right back to number two. Hey, Rob. Hey, we got a DC. <laughs> I'm sorry, hold on. <laughs> look, look, if, if I think I think that unfortunately for the Wizards. They're going to be in a situation where I think Tommy Shepard's going to realize that if somebody's willing to take Bill, he can move him. But I thought he had to afford no trade. He might have a he might have that in his clause, but I'm pretty sure something something, something can worked out. Okay. Yeah, something can get worked out. I, I mm-hmm. think that's just the block you him you trading him to uh, Toronto or some somewhere he doesn't want to go. But mm-hmm. if, you, if you tell him L.A. the Lakers. He gone. He's gonna take that trade. He's gonna. Oh yeah, he's gone. He's gone. Or oh, another contender. He's gone. He gone. Yeah. But he needs to be the second or the third guy. He cannot be the number one guy. You you know, right before he signed that contract, he went out. And he tested free agency, and I, I I loved it because I remember uh Bruce Allen did it to uh what's the middle linebacker Zach Brown. He wanted. He was like, "This is your number right here." No, nah, no, nah, I'm going to free. He said, "Go to free agency." Go ahead, go see what you get in free agency. And nobody, nobody's really interested in giving him the money that he wanted. He said, This is my number. Everybody, like, that's not your number. They were offering him less than Washington was offering. Same thing with Bill. Everybody was offering him less than what Washington was offering. Me, you know what? DC's my home. I'm gonna go ahead and stay in DC. Nah, <laughs> dude, you ain't had no market. You had no market. You turned your back on your team, and people took note of that. So can I add a note to the Zach Brown comments? What's that? Zach Brown has one of the greatest, I'm sorry, Mike Mayock has one of the greatest comments pre-draft about a player. So Zach Brown gets drafted. Um, I think he gets drafted to Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought he went to Buffalo. So Mike Mayock, of course, you know, they do the video vignette. And they come from the vignette, and Mike Mayock says, the one knock I've heard on this kid is he's allergic to contact. I have never forgotten that, but you can't be a middle linebacker and be allergic to contact. Now, I will give him credit. There's a play against the Cleveland Browns when RG3 was there. Well, he took RG3 soul and put it 20 yards down the field behind his body, and like the janitor and everybody else had to scoop it up and carry it back to RG3 just so he could run the next play. So, but Zach Brown, mm, he was fast, but everything else, ah, other thing, my last point, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. Um, is there a notebook for us to put ideas down f- for future content? Always. So in the notebook, cause now BJ made this and I, you've kind of alluded to this topic. I want our doghouse Mount Rushmore. Mm. All time? All time. Ooh, you I already know two of my four, but all time doghouse Mount Rushmore. Okay. I need more than four spots, though, but all right. Uh oh. Huh? 
Yeah, I, I, I Scott, I get what you're saying because you know, I, I know people for people that that you know hate RG three. He, he. I mean, unfortunately, what he went through, you know, he. And I'm sure he's in Lamar. Yeah, he was in Baltimore, wasn't he? Yeah, he yeah. was. He was Lamar's mental. Yeah, because he. And, and, and I'm pretty sure he got an open line of Lamar. He's telling him like, "Look, don't do it. Don't do it." And and I think I think Lamar was already on that. Hey, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't risk your career. They weren't willing. You you saw his post. If they're not willing to. I don't know exactly what it said, but if they're not willing to, you know, invest in you or whatever, it, it was something to, along that lines. So yeah, his 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 messages are cryptic. That's all right, fellas. We gotta get out of here because we we we. I know we can go for at least another hour. I know we can. <laughs> but put a pen in it. We're gonna talk about Lamar. Uh, playoff weekend. We need to talk some NBA on Thursday. Definitely. With uh everything that's going on because this whole Lakers thing and uh, them getting the short end of the stick in the media, I don't like it. Like they're not the only team that's struggling right now, but you know that's all you see. The Lakers are struggling. You know the Lakers are dead, and then they win five games and everything get cra- you know five games or was it seven games or whatever they won, but it got quiet. We need to talk about that on Thursday. So for the midnight oh, rider, don't forget ahead. your Bulls. Don't forget your Bulls. Oh yeah, because um, I was almost about to tell BJ, hey, I take Bradley Beal off your hands if you take Zach Levine, but I don't want that headache. Um, because already Benny the Bull. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can have anybody you want, but you can't have Benny. You can't I have Benny. Benny. You sent Benny the Bull in a deep dish pizza from Chicago. You you can have Bradley Beal. Peanuts. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> well, that's all the time we got for tonight. We we did overtime tonight, and I'm I'm cool with that. I'm cool because this was a good conversation. We had to get into it all, um, straight off and came right back. So we did really really good. Um, for the midnight rider, the boss BJ, all the sideline junkies on special assignment. I'm the big guy KG. We did some overtime, but we are out of.